Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Hello and welcome to Countryside here on Manx Radio. I'm Simon Clark. And I'm Kerry Kermud. Well, after a successful visit to Balown Quarry with UCM, I caught up with Andre Doubledam to talk about the island's saplings and tree planting and also Alan Harrison from UCM about the agricultural course. And also I catch up with Richard Crow from Bishop's Court Farm to find out about his sheepdogs and how he's getting on with the lambing at this time of year. Well, firstly, Kiri, uh, we spoke last week briefly about uh, dog worrying and how concerning it is and how devastating it can be for livestock owners. Um, so I went along to speak to Richard Crow at Bishop's Court Farm. I spoke to Richard about many things, about his training of collies and sheepdogs, his participation in the sheepdog trials, the concerns about sheep worrying. But firstly, he was starting lambing. Uh, it was it a usual time for him? Um, yeah, this is the normal time that I I lamb. It's probably one of the worst times to lamb, really, because it's just started to go kind of really horrible, mild and wet kind of thing. But um, it just gives it it gives you a better chance with the lambs if you lamb them early. They they, they do better and go on to thrive better. I think um, later on in the year, maybe. Um, April, May time, the, the lambs take a bit longer to do, I think, but uh, it just suits our system, basically, lamb this time of the year. Yeah, well, you say, say about warm and wet, is that a bad thing for, for sheep and lamb? And well, wet is, in a way. Um, I, I suppose a cold wind is as bad as anything as well, but they can stand the cold a bit, but the rain is the worst, to be honest, um, just they struggle to get dry again and it's it's heavy going on lambs really to be honest like the first few days once they get a few days on them they can stand a fair bit of weather but just the first few days they need it would be ideal if you had dry weather are you inside with them lemon yeah i do i lamb most of them indoors but as soon as they've lambed, I try and get them out. It's it's more healthy. It's more a healthy environment outside. But uh, it just it just saves my legs chasing after them, <laughs> uh, having them indoors. But you you've got dogs, and you're renowned on the Isle of Man, Richard, for um, having really good, um, useful sheep dogs, and the training off them as well. I mean. How is that going? Is this the, not the season yet for sheepdog trials? And but your dog needs to work all the year round, I suppose. Uh, yeah, they're just basically dogs. They're just doing general work. Um, I'm trying to just keep a few young ones ticking over, really. But it's very hard to be running sheep this time of the year. It's so wet. Uh, Trampling them around a field, you're making a muck. It's too hard on them, really. To be honest, like I just. I just try to keep my dogs, my younger dogs, ticking over, and me and me more experienced dogs are just doing mainly just work. Yeah, I mean, when when you're training them or getting them, you know, they're good enough to come out and, and help with the sheep. Is it good to have them paired with a more experienced one, or are they better kept away and learning on their own? Um, sometimes, if you maybe have a like a weakish dog, maybe a young dog that's inexperienced, and maybe. Especially this time of the year, sheep can be very feisty and you've got to be very careful with these young dogs. If they get picked on by a sheep, like really buttered and stuff, it can sicken them a little bit. So maybe an older dog sometimes with them as a bit of a, well, shall we say an enforcer that, you know, he's got a bit of backup does help. But to be honest, I 
I'd be wary of you using a really young dog on on sheep this time of the year because it can deflate their their confidence really. So it's mainly my my older dogs that'll be working this year, and I'll be just ticking kind of my younger dogs on, maybe just on training lambs or something like that. Um, yeah, so you just got to be really careful with dogs. You can knock their confidence with a really defensive you well we've heard a lot of talk and um, social media coverage of um, sheep and lambs being attacked by dogs I mean is that a worry when you're training sheep dogs or collies mainly I suppose is it well they're all I mean the breeding is in them to herd sheep but they're herding sheep for a reason you know I suppose in years gone by they'd be herding them to to kill them that that you know that's their natural instinct so you've got to be really careful with collies will any dog really once it gets a taste for chasing sheep it's a very bad habit to try and get them out of obviously i want them to chase sheep but i have to mold them into my way of thinking their natural instinct is to is to herd them but the, the herding is for a reason it's to you know gather them up and and kind of they are on for a kill so it's up to you to mold them into no i don't want you to kill them i want you to just herd them to me and we can work together kind of thing uh, and that with training um the, the, after time that they wouldn't hurt sheep even if they're out on their own well no uh, i mean once a dog is fully broken they know wh- when to switch on and when to switch off but a dog that's not broken would never know when to switch off some of them wouldn't they would just you know they could smother them in the corner you know just working them out it's not really the dog's fault i mean if the dog's out you know if it doesn't know any different it's only doing what it's been bred to do really so you do have to be very careful with collies and stuff and and be a responsible dog owner if you don't want them chasing sheep certainly don't encourage it and keep them on a lead any dog then that's out in the country, some may be going to a new place for the first time on a public footpath or something next to maybe fields that have got sheep in. It must be so tempting for the dogs, as you say, it's a natural instinct in them. And even if you think, oh, my dog wouldn't do it or they've never done it before, uh, I suppose they're all capable of Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. You've, got, you've got to be so careful. I mean, really, if you're going past the field of sheep, but don't your dog, don't <laughs> put your dog on the lead because, as you say, everybody thinks their dog is wonderful, and I, I mean I love dogs and stuff. But you just don't know with with instinct and stuff in the dog they could just take off, and you'll have a hell of a job to get them back. I mean, when I've been breaking young dogs and stuff, um, and you take them out and sheep on the first time, I could be there half an hour trying to catch them. You know, they're, they're working the sheep so hard, like, and they just... They the get, excitement of yeah, it. Yeah, just the excitement of it and the enthusiasm. They don't want to give it up. So it's very hard to catch your dog after that. They will not answer, you know, it's, it's through... I do it in a controlled environment, but if you didn't do it in a controlled environment, like if you're out in a 20-acre field and you're trying to catch your dog, it's, it's almost... It's not going to take any notice. No, it's going, to, it's going to be almost impossible. So, yeah, just be very careful. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the training side of it, the sheepdog 
uh, trial side of it that uh, you're so into, so enjoy, um, must be so satisfying when you get a dog from a pup that you see out doing a sheepdog trial a few years later. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's to be honest, I enjoy breaking young dogs more than I do trial. And to be honest, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, you get to a certain point and sometimes in the train and you feel... I'm not getting anywhere here. I'm, I'm I'm really struggling. You just reach to the point, but then all of a sudden, I don't know what happens. Something they must just think it over one night, and something clicks, and you just go you further on, and you can and you can you get such an enjoyment when you see a dog progressing through the stages, and and you get them up, and and you've created a, a very useful. Uh, you know, tool for somebody that they can go out and herd their sheep and stuff. And the dog, they they love it. I mean, once once they're fully broken and they know what they're doing, there's nothing better. And you have the the sheepdog trials up on your farm during the summer months as well. Um, get some good attractions from on island and off island as well. Yeah, yeah, we've we seem to. I've kind of made a connection with um, some of the northern sheepdog handlers, uh, northern England's sheepdog handlers over there, and they loved coming over to the last Manan and sheepdog trials we had, and uh, we're definitely going to repeat that. Um, we're hoping to have it in September time. Well, much the same time as we had it last year, and everybody's up there there might be one or two more but we're probably keeping it around about 30 dogs i think that's manageable and everyone can have a good good run and and uh you know it's, it's not too competitive as well everyone's willing each other on to do well richard crow from bishop's court farm there in lightness about the sheepdog trials that'll be coming up later in the year and saying about the the sheepdog worrying which um you know it can have devastating effects and People thinking that oh, there's no physical damage, but you know he he heard them. You can talk about them, gather them together, and suffocating the sheep as well. Kiri, isn't it? Indeed, it causes so much hassle and uh, unrest with with all involved. Um, I see now in Scotland the protection of livestock, the new legislation that has come in there. You know there is um, twelve month imprisonments. There's up to forty thousand pound fines. They're taking this as a very serious matter. It's the untold damage, and it is that devastation and the suffering that goes on to all parties yeah but there we go but uh, obviously the training off it and um, the thought that your dog won't do it well they can that was the message there You're listening to Countryside here on Manx Radio with Kiri Kermode and myself, Simon Clark. What, Kiri, uh, on last week's theme, you've got another connection with it? Yes, after last week I popped along to Isle of Man College to catch up with Alan Harrison, who's running the horticultural and agricultural courses there. But firstly, I spoke to Andre Doubledam about last week's tree planting and how it went at Balown. Andre, well, we had a great time at Balown last week and now I'm catching up with you again back at Isle of Man College. Uh, how did the, the day go for you the day well it achieved all of its objectives so we've got um, two or three hundred trees planted and it's created um, a sun trap habitat and it's created a shelter belt and i think it's created a, a very nice amenity so a quarries can be quite ugly places and yeah. quite noisy and quite dusty something that catches the noise catches the dust and provides a habitat that's all good that is really good. And when we were there, we had a lovely visit down to the old disused quarry. Um, now, it, it habitat itself. Yeah, it's an area of special scientific interest, and quite deservedly so, because some of the, the rarest plants on the island um, occur there, plants like bee orchids. Um, we've been into 
be able to reintroduce plants that have gone extinct there. So quaking grass, which has nearly disappeared from the island, has now been reintroduced there. They will only sustain themselves there if we can get sheep grazing on there. And the UCM have been able to fence it and make the habitat absolutely suitable for it. So the college students have facilitated this becoming a, a grazing habitat again. We will get locktons there because they are the most effective for that rough grazing and, and tackling the invasive species. Now, they wouldn't eat the plants that you've put in in particular. Oh, well, they will eat them, but what they'll do is they'll just prevent them from flowering. And every couple of years, we take the sheep off for a summer, let that flowering take place. Um, but most wildflowers, they can take being nibbled and um, grazed okay, yeah. year in, year out. And they're just waiting for that opportunity. But what's more important is to stop the really invasive species like Cotoneaster and Budlia that are, are quite pernicious there from taking over and destroying the habitat. And that's where the sheep... Only sheep can do that. Yeah, and it's nice to see that they can work in harmony because sometimes sheep do get bad press, <laughs> especially in the neighbours' gardens. <laughs> yeah, well, let's hope the, um, the fencing that the UCM have put up will, will hold them. But Locktons are, are escape artists and um, we'll have to, uh, to work with them for a bit. <laughs> and we saw last week the trees being planted. Now, the supply of trees and the supply of flowers, uh, this is something you're in charge of. Well, yeah, I've tried to, um, I've tried to make sure that um, we get Manx native wherever possible. Some of the trees that went in last year are British native and native to the Isle of Man, but the rare species we put in, they've all been collected from seed in the wild on the Isle of Man, grown here at UCM by UCM students, and then reintroduced into the wild. And some of these species are extinct in the wild. Um, wow, so last week we planted lovely. a grimony. And that, um, that went extinct um, about 12 years ago when the airport extension occurred. Okay. And we've held that in cultivation at UCM and other places all those years, awaiting for Balown to come to fruition yeah. and, um, and become a sustainable place for them. Well, I never, that is uh, something else, isn't it? But that for you, that feeling you must get from seeing this over the years must be very special. Yeah, it's a really long-term gain. So um, 12 years is a long time to run a conservation programme. And um, I've been really lucky both at UCM and at the Wildlife Trust for the long-term support. As I say, um, organisations like COLAS and DEFA and the college here um, they, they don't just support you for a year or two. It just goes on and you see these projects through. It's really good. It is really good. And talking about seeing it through, your students, they start off as little acorns, I suppose, and then they do grow into to great um, students and into other workplaces. Yeah, so here at UCM, our level one course, it starts off as very much a land-based industries course. And the students could go on to agriculture, they could go on to landscape gardening, groundskeeping, tree surgery, equine, they could go into um, maintenance gardening. So they've got a lot of choices. And I think at the level one, what's really important is for them to know that they don't just fall into a job, but they choose a career. They, yeah. they, a lot of them are vocationally minded and they want to do... Um, they want to work outside, but giving them that taster to decide exactly where they work outside is so important. And that progression, Alan, you're saying when they go into level two, you know, they can really go on. Yeah, so one of the units is work experience. So as I said before, we're sending out about 13 students to different places. And what they'll do is actually choose a career. And it could just be a career where they're looking at doing, say, summer seasonal work and how they progress into actually getting into that position to be maybe an assistant gardener, to a gardener, to a head gardener, and then to somebody who 
looks after the, the, the whole portfolio of estates that they're looking after. And they'll look at what sort of timeline that'll take, what sort of, pro, um, what sort of professional qualifications yeah. they'll need, and the cost of those, and just see what they can do from one to the other so they don't get stuck into that dead-end job that they look at and just go, right, I'm just going to be a grass cutter for the rest of my life. It could be that I actually progress that way. So it's like that analogy you used with the acorn. They'll start yeah. as an acorn and progress to a, an oak tree. Yeah. So it's all a case of how do you get it up to that, that oak tree and, and how they progress and how wide their branches want to go and things like that. So. And Andre, you've been uh, with the college students for a good number of years now. Uh, how do you see horticulture um, and people just wanting to get involved with the countryside progressing? I think the, um, the land-based industries is expanding all the time. It has been expanding steadily for probably the last two decades, and it's expanding steadily more. Now, there are some places that are perhaps contracting a bit. So commercial horticulture, there is very little now. Um, I think the cannabis farms that might be progressing, that could be a route to commercial horticulture. But when the, um, when the rose factory or where the, the, the cut rose factory um, went, that was pretty much the end of a lot of commercial horticulture. So that... That area is is a bit more abound, but everything else is really just progressing year on year. It's getting more and more and more professional as well. And I think UCM have probably been able to help in this, um, make the industry safer because it is a dangerous industry. Farming and horticulture and tree surgery, they're all really dangerous professions. And to increase that standard. So making the island more beautiful, I mean, that should be a mantra. That should be something that we're all wanting to do. And with that, you say the UNESCO biosphere, which we achieved, you know, it is the highest status we can get, isn't it? As an island, I think that is a really big status for us. And it's not just about um, it's not just about biodiversity. It's about the culture of the island. It's about so many things that intertwine. But making the island beautiful and just caring and loving for it, that is a part of it. Yes. Yeah. So like Andre touched on there, Alan, uh, the UNESCO biosphere is one of the best statuses, but people want to get involved with the great outdoors. How do they go about applying to to get on some of these land-based courses? So the full-time courses are available on the UCM website. So you go on to the full-time applications, find the course that you want, whether that's landscaping or horticulture, and apply for it there. So the course is filling up fast, so just make sure people get in to avoid disappointment of missing out. Uh, The short, short courses which you run, so the PA the plasticide applications and the, the use of mowers and strip trimmers. They're available on the website again, but they are part-time courses. So you fill out a part-time application form, send it in, and uh, we get back to when the courses will be, be running. Uh, last week at Balan, we had a really great morning planting trees with the college students. It was a wild morning. How did it go eventually? It went really well. So we got all 500 trees planted, which was really testament to the students themselves who really went for it and put them in and by the end of the day it it was all planted up and ready to go and I think everyone enjoyed the day because they they were able to get to the end of it and just finish it and go yeah that's a job that I've done. But that there Alan is for the future it's for years and years ahead. Yeah and being close to a footpath again it would be one of those places where somebody can just a destination to walk past and go look at those trees I planted those 20 years ago they could be going past with their children 40 years they could be going past with their grandchildren and going that's something I did. Now with horticulture it used to be agriculture as well is this something UCM are keen to to bring back to the fore? Yeah well it's never really gone away it's just that the interest has to be there Um, if we don't get the applications for the course then obviously we don't get the numbers we we can't run the course but the the course is there ready to to go if we ever get the the interest in it. See that is something that's really positive because there is a lot of younger uh, agricultural 
people out there, I suppose. There is lots of actively involved with agriculture and farming. Um, so how would they get involved? So there is a level two course, which is run uh, as an NVQ. So that means that they're in a workplace and we'll go out and assess them doing certain units and things. They'll be in for one day a week where they're able to use um, the portfolio, which is an online portfolio, because we found that the, the students struggled a lot with the paper portfolios just for the fact that some of the um, environments they work in can be quite messy and quite mucky. Yeah, yeah certainly. So they've always got their phones on them, so they can take a picture <laughs> of the evidence, make sure they're in it, and then they can upload it. That is really, really simple because I can remember many moons ago when I did the agricultural course, I thoroughly enjoyed it and learned so much. And it was through Isle of Man College. It's nice to know it's still there, but obviously advancing in technology as well. With the various courses you have at UCM, there is still spraying courses and health and safety courses that you still offer out. So, yeah, the ones I've talked about so far are our bread and butter. They're our full time courses, but we do do short courses. So um, we run a safe use in mowers course at the minute which will teach you how to use it, how to set it up. And that's NTPC, which is City and Guilds. Um, I'm in the process of just doing an application now to run a brush cutter and trimmer course. So that'll be ready for next term from September. We run a PA1, which is the legislation for your pesticide application, your PA2, which is tractor driven, and then PA6, which is your handheld knapsack as well. Yeah. And how would you like to see the UCM developing in the horticulture and agricultural side of things? So the way we're doing it now is it's all online portfolios, which has helped immensely, really. Um, I can see you there nodding. Yes, you thought you had that a few years ago. <laughs> it, it could have definitely helped. So, yeah, that has been a big, big plus point for me this year. Uh, we've had a lot of students on level two this year. We're normally around about the six to eight mark. And this year we're up around 15, 16. Excellent. Um, yeah. So that has definitely helped. Trying to look through paper portfolios for that many people. It used to be quite a laborious task, whereas now it's all on one page. Yeah. So my time can be spent actually getting the quality in there rather than just satisfying criteria, which I think has definitely helped. Yeah. And you've got a good team at, here at UCM. Oh, yes. Um, couldn't live without my technician. He's brilliant, keeps me, keeps me sane, keeps me going. And Andre, with his um, other, other job, the Manx Wildlife Trust, his knowledge within the plants and looking after flowers and trees and things like that is is immense really compared to me who I was more grass based as I came in yeah. so we're a perfect complement for each other um, I love grass whereas he sees grass as a weed <laughs> yes. and then I see his plantains <laughs> and things which he sees as a weed and I see as, 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 as the weeds and he sees them as flowers yeah, that's so it's, it's a good we have banter that way and and things but yeah it's it's a really good mix and that does bring an awful lot of knowledge to the course itself. But with that, it's open to all ages. Yeah, so from 16 leaving school, we've had people coming in. And we've also this year had a 54-year-old lady yeah. who's um, she's in the middle of just at the minute applying for work experience, things like that. And I've just seen her CV and it's um, she's been working in Thailand, um, Asia and at trust level. She owns a company which has 500 people in there but she's decided to have a little bit of a change with COVID coming along and she wants to do um, horticulture, see something with her hands and finish a job and just go, I did that. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's the biggest thing. And that job satisfaction pays dividends, doesn't it, really? You can sometimes get in that fast lane and get lost. Exactly. So I heard Andre say it the other day that grounds care and horticulture has the biggest job satisfaction of anything in Great Britain, which I thought was an interesting uh, 
Now, there's lots of different elements to the portfolio. Alan, where do the students manage to get the experience, the practical experience for this? So quite a lot of it is done at college, but we, we also try and um, help out any sort of local charities. So that's where our link with Manx Wildlife Trust came in, where we ended up being able to plant their trees for them, which is really good. But we've also cut hedges for autism initiative. Um, so we go down to there once a year, give their hedge a cut, and yeah, just... And they gain that experience from doing that and they learn the right techniques and nothing better than hands-on. And this is setting them up in good stead to go out and apply for jobs. Definitely, yeah. So there's, there hasn't been a year where we haven't gained people employment throughout the year. Um, as I say, they're applying for work experience at the minute. So there's 13 students going out in different various placements around the island. And that can be from working in a working in Watson's right the way through to country estates, which is a, a wide, vast variety of different things they can do. Nathan, now I caught up with you last week down at Boulogne and it was a very blustery day. Um, how did the day go for you? Very well. We managed to plant 500 trees between us. That's a long morning. Yeah. <laughs> In the, in the good weather, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but with that, Nathan, obviously you're doing the course at Alleman College here. You're here two days a week. Um, how do you find the course generally? Um, very enjoyable. Teachers all great and friendly. Yeah, good. And all the, all the pupils as well, we all get along. Yeah. Have a laugh. And at the end of the day, it's just all good fun. It definitely opens a lot of doors on the outside world yeah. to help you progress into other stuff. What would you like to do long term? Um, run my own business in gardening and everything that's possible. Just be that handyman. Yeah, and with that, with this course, it looks like it's touching on an awful lot of elements. Yes, it is. You get a taste of everything to see what you want to do outside of it as well. We've got Dylan here. Dylan, you were part of the tree planting scheme at, at Balown there as well. So how did you get involved with the course here at college? Well, I was just, I, I was looking online and like, um, like I was applying for jobs and stuff like yeah. that and there was nothing really that suited me and I just thought like I want to open my own business and then I was like thinking what I want to do mm -hmm. and then like being a like outdoor worker, like even garden maintenance or anything like, like that, like just kind of like spoke to me. And what kind of work are you hoping to go into from this? Um, I'm wanting to open a garden maintenance business. I'm basically copying Nathan. Yeah. <laughs> Nathan's copying me. <laughs> but, but that there, though, the two of you, there's lots of opportunity here on the Isle of Man. You know, we have got some beautiful gardens, beautiful areas that do need upkeep. Yeah, definitely, yeah. I'm hoping to get, like, a couple of contracts as well, like, you know, when I open my own business and then, like, settle myself out yeah. and do, like, some standard just gardening jobs at the same time. Just, like, you know, so I have, like, a good wage coming in. And with that, learning the new techniques and, and what you need to, to run your business, like you say, and having that broad knowledge, I suppose, it leaves lots of avenues open for you when you leave, uh, you know, when you've qualified. Well, I can imagine I can come back and ask the teachers for some help if I, if I ever need to. That was some of the students from UCM. Alan Harrison from the Horticultural and Agricultural Courses and Andre Doubledam, the lecturer and also Manx Wildlife Trust officer. A lot of passion between all those people and uh, reflecting on the youngsters too. Really was. The youngsters are fully enjoying that course there at Isle of Man College. But it's really great to hear that the agricultural course is still going strong and they're looking for students to get involved. And it's full-time courses or part-time courses. They do lots on animal husbandry. The courses for sheep dipping, hoof trimming and sheep shearing, these are all certificated. You can do, do those courses by just ringing up UCM and getting involved there. 
you've got a, a mention of something before we finish, uh, Kiri? That's right, a busy Manx weekend coming up. We've got the uh, World Championship Bonnet Competition out at St James's there in Dorby on Friday night and then up to the Braid Hall for the annual Stedford on the Saturday night. OK, we'll have to leave it there for this week's Countryside. We're back next week with more. So until then, from me, Simon Clark. And me, Kerry Kermit. We'll see you next week. Ta-da.